Hello and welcome to the Korean Beauty Show podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, K-beauty expert, founder of Style Story, where you can shop, learn and explore the world of Korean skincare and, of course, your guide to everything you need to know about K-beauty and what's going on here in Korea. So for today, I wanted to take a little bit of a deep dive into a topic that I think lots of people touch on on the surface and a lot of people are interested to know, particularly when they first start exploring Korean skincare, but that I think some of the real reasons often get overlooked. And that is, why is Korean skincare so popular? Now, if you flick through any magazine articles or have a look around online, you'll get a lot of really superficial reasons, you know, why people think that Korean skincare is popular. I'm talking about things like, oh, well, uh, the pricing point is so good. It's so uh, effective. It's so... Uh, different from other products that are on the market. Just really sort of, you know, I'm not saying that these are incorrect reasons or that they're wrong, but they're quite surface level. They don't sort of get to the heart of why K-beauty is so popular and particularly why it is so much more popular than cosmetics from other countries. You know, if you took those factors alone, there are plenty of other countries, I'm sure, that make cheap cosmetics. So I don't think that the fact that it's cheaper than, say, you know, other Western brands necessarily explains why Korean skincare is so popular, Korean cosmetics, makeup. I shouldn't just limit it to skincare. We're talking about everything here. Uh, And, you know, like innovation. I'm sure there are plenty of places that are doing slightly different things. I'm sure there are a lot of countries where people are really innovative coming up with stuff that hasn't ever been put to market before, maybe formulations and things like that. But what explains why K-beauty is more prominent in the global market, why people are are talking about it so much more than they are talking about products from any other country. Uh, And the reason I wanted to discuss this is because one of our listeners got in touch with me through Instagram the other week, and she was asking a really, really specific question. It was a really great question, but it prompted me to think about this sort of on a more wide level. Basically, her question was just around the labeling and why Korean products are labeled like they are with English as well. Uh, And I think that's actually a really important distinction between Korean skincare products and other Asian beauty products, in particular Japanese products, which aren't often uh, labeled in English. So what I wanted to do is have a talk through just some of the real reasons I think Uh, are behind why Korean beauty is actually so popular globally. Uh, And I'm going to cover a few different angles with this marketing, the fact that Korea is a manufacturing hub, the fact that there is so much government support behind this industry, that there are lower barriers to entry compared to other countries, and then also touch on things like 
Uh, thinking globally, how companies think globally. And that includes things like the labeling of their English labels. So, you know, uh, I think in general, Korea, in terms of marketing, the whole marketing machine that is behind Korean skincare and Korean beauty in general is uh, really quite crazy. Uh, This is a multi-billion dollar industry. It is competing for consumers at an extremely high level. I think particularly when it comes to beauty related topics, a lot of people think it's frivolous. A lot of people think it's, you know, women's uh, business uh, and they don't take it very seriously. And you see this again and again when it comes to things like beauty companies seeking investment from, you know, um, angel investors, from capital investment firms. And people just think, eh, you know, that's just silly, but it's actually a really, really huge multi-billion dollar industry. So it's not just, you know, uh, child's play or women's stuff or anything like that. And I think the Koreans uh, that are working in the industry really understand that. Uh, The stakes are very high. So I think that that also plays into it as well. So the marketing machine that I referred to is encompassing all of the things that are usually given as reasons for why Korean skincare is popular. So the fact that Korean beauty prides itself on the use of natural ingredients, uh, you know, and you will have heard me talking about, you will have heard brands talking about all of the specific ingredients that they use. And that's one very clever way that companies have been able to tap into what consumers want and to actually talk about their products. So things like snail secretion, aloe vera, green tea, uh, Innisfree, for example, they boast that the green tea they use in their skincare range is made on a special volcanic island and selected after studying 2,401 varieties of green tea. So these kind of things that really tap into the essence of the brand, the ingredients they're using and the products that they're selling, this is all part of the marketing. Now, that's not to say that, you know, it's all just puffery and none of it works or means anything, but it tells a story. And I think Korean brands are very good at telling that story through the ingredients they use, through the collections and the lines that they have. You know, you'll see things like a tea tree line, a vitamin C line, a peptide line, a clay line. These are all very uh I think, big marketing points for Korean brands. Uh, Nowadays, you'll see a lot of brands saying that they, you know, are green grade approved on the the EWG scale, uh, that they only use, you know, EWG green grade uh, ingredients. They also really lean into the fact that they are using gentle ingredients, that they're steering clear of things that strip or dry out the skin. Uh, And this is not all marketing. Koreans definitely do prefer a much gentler and slower approach to their skincare, but that in and of itself is gives them a talking point because it's different from the approach that's being taken in a lot of other countries. Uh, you know, unlike other cultures, particularly the Australian culture that has a real culture around surf, sun and sun baking, all of those kind of things. Koreans are, are very wary of the sun. They are very aware of what it can do to the skin. Uh, So I think in general, Korean skincare has really leaned into the fact that they do favor a lot of these more gentle ingredients, gentle approaches to the skin. And 
are less reliant on the so-called harsher ingredients, uh, you know, high-strength acids, uh, prescription-strength retinols, and everything like that. That's not to say that they don't exist. They clearly do. People use them. People get prescriptions for them. But it's not the, the core or the key focus of the routine, unlike in many other places where that really is uh, the main messaging that a consumer will take away is that this need to exfoliate to reveal new skin. You know, if your skin's looking a bit lackluster or dehydrated, you'll often see this repeated. People say, oh, you need to add a chemical exfoliant or a manual exfoliator into your uh, routine and just get rid of that and buff it away. Whereas a Korean approach is typically much more focused on hydration. Uh, and, you know, I think that culturally as well, the kinds of activities that people participate in in some cultures, things like tanning, things like forgetting to or not wearing SPF, uh, binge drinking and all of that, those factors contribute to a lot of skin damage, things like inflammation, pigmentation, premature aging. So it's then not uncommon to see people in those cultures turn to the harsher skin treatments to help try and peel back that damage, whereas the Korean beauty approach has traditionally been much more a preventative approach. So I think all of these things have just meant that there is a lot more to talk about. There's a lot more of an educational piece uh, and a lot of differences in the way that the brands have approached their marketing. Uh, And one of the other things that I noticed from many years back was that one of the ways that Korean beauty companies often develop their products is to get real-time feedback or feedback from their customers. So they tend to be really quick at putting out products to market and developing new products. And then they will get feedback in real time from their customers or their Instagram followers or whatnot, and then fix that when issues occur. Another really common way and quite a frustrating way that this will happen for any distributors is that they will upgrade. They will do a re-release of their product. And ways that I see companies do that include, you know, like they've got a fourth or a fifth generation. You know, some really popular products like AHC's eye cream, their eye cream for face is up to like the 10th generation, but they keep selling the older generations as well, which not all brands do. But that is another way that they can incorporate some of the latest trends. So for example, if probiotics are trending at the moment, some brands will just upgrade or update a pre-existing product, say like Laneige's lip sleeping mask, to incorporate the current trend probiotics into their existing formula. So that's another big thing that does not tend to happen with other companies uh, in other parts of the world, but does really happen here. Uh, And I think this goes back to marketing, obviously, giving the brand something new to talk about so that they are always at the forefront of their customers' minds. Uh, The competition over here is very, very fierce. And one of the reasons behind that is the lower barrier to entry. So because Korea is a manufacturing hub and there are lots of smaller scale ODMs and OEMs, 
It can be quite cheap if you know who to go and where to talk to to get a brand started. Now, this is obviously not going to be the same thing for foreigners that are coming over here and looking to start their own brand because there are many more hurdles if you are looking to work with a local you know, manufacturer, particularly if you don't speak Korean. But for a lot of people, you're particularly Koreans based here who can research all of this, get on the phone and call people and negotiate and do all of that. It can be quite quick and easy to get a new uh, product to market. And traditionally, one of the ones that was really uh, favored, I guess, for this was the sheet mask. Back when sheet masks were really popular and most brands had one, uh, then you would notice that a lot of people would start uh, off with just you know a single sheet mask and grow their company like that. So there are definitely lower barriers to entry here. But what that means is that there is a lot more more competition. There are so many more beauty brands in Korea than any other country that I know of in terms of how quickly they're launching, how fast they are growing, how quickly they are able to build out their product lines as well. The production process here tends to be much, much quicker than in other countries as well. Uh, And that just means that, you know, the manufacturers are able to turn over products quicker. Uh, Obviously, that really depends on the manufacturer. You know, some I've worked with myself definitely (laughs) they say they're quick and then when you actually get started with them they're they're not as quick as they say they are the other thing that will happen is particularly for smaller brands you will get bumped in favor of bigger brands and brands that are putting out more product and that are paying more money to the manufacturers so it's not a guarantee but in general the process can be a lot quicker there are a lot more options too Uh, if you are looking to manufacture things you've got so many more companies to choose from and you will notice that a lot of brands including big brands actually Uh, split their manufacturing across multiple retailers. And that goes for even brands that have their own in-house manufacturing capabilities. They will still sometimes outsource their manufacturing to third parties and to other uh, production houses. And that's just because that means they can get even more products out to the market, uh, particularly if if their own in-house manufacturing capabilities are, you know, full. They don't have any more room on the books. They're, you know, just churning over that much product that they can't, you know, keep launching new things. So definitely that is a big difference. And that has made Korean beauty a lot more globally competitive as well. So Korea being a manufacturing hub, I think, is a really, really big part of this process as well. Uh, unlike many other countries, particularly countries that where they have a really, really high minimum wage, uh, places like Australia, for example. Australia, once upon a, t- a time, used to manufacture a lot of things, including cars and whatnot. But as the minimum wage kept rising, it just got more and more unfeasible um, and unsustainable for companies to continue manufacturing in Australia. And I've heard this a lot from fashion manufacturers as well, that they would love to keep making things onshore in Australia, but the costs are just too high. 
Well, Korea is one of those countries where they don't have a lot of natural resources and a lot of things that they can sell overseas, but they can manufacture things that they can export. And this has been a key strategy of the Korean government basically uh, since the war ended. This was one of the ways that Korea managed to take itself from uh a country that was as poor as some of the countries in sub-Saharan Africa to the one of the global, I guess, uh, economic powerhouses that it is today. I'm not quite sure where Korea sits in the world today, but at one stage it was in 12th position. But it's safe to say that it has taken itself from a very, very poor country to a very, very wealthy country in a, an extremely short amount of time. And one of the ways that they have done that is through manufacturing and exporting products overseas. Uh, and I guess the corollary of that is, you know, not only now are Korean companies manufacturing their products here, lots of global companies are manufacturing their beauty products here as well. Uh, and one of the ways that this has grown up and being able to flourish is through government support. So Korea receives a lot, Korean companies and this industry receives a lot of support from the government. Uh, And I have worked with the government agencies that are responsible for, uh, you know, supporting and promoting this, uh, both in Korea and overseas. Uh, And they do a lot of work. They have really large budgets. They hold a lot of events. They manufacture, they they arrange meetups and meetings between manufacturers, brands, and overseas distributors and retailers all the time. We constantly receive emails from some of the key Korean government agencies, you know, wanting to set up meetings, wanting to chat about, you know, different things. Uh, I have attended so many of the expos. Uh, you know, we've, we've been sponsored to, to attend expos. I've been paid to speak at some of them before. Uh, all aiming to get, you know, more global buyers and more global people working in the industry, talking about K-beauty, promoting K-beauty, linking companies up globally so that they are able to export and find new markets to take their products to. So this is happening all the time. There is a lot of, there's a whole government machine behind this that has uh, really, I guess, in a very different way from other countries that are doing this. I've also worked with uh, Austrade, which is Australia's trade agency. And I can tell you from firsthand experience that it is night and day. Comparing the two, it's like apples and oranges. The level of support that the Korean government offers for these companies, the amount of money that they pump into it is just not like anything I have ever seen before, uh, particularly when it comes to smaller. We're talking about small to medium enterprises that they are really pushing. Most governments uh, and most government agencies that I have knowledge of or that I've worked with before, if they are promoting things on a big scale, it is their biggest companies. It is their biggest exporters, companies with absolutely huge profit and loss statements, you know, that are making a lot of money that are really powering that economy. They're not generally spending a whole lot of money to help small to medium 
enterprises export and get their products overseas. Some, sure, and you know, it's not like they won't help you out, but it is nowhere near the level of support that is being offered by the Korean government. So that just can't be ignored. And I think having that experience of the people that are working in the government in dealing with the overseas markets as well is another reason why Korean skincare, Korean beauty products have succeeded overseas. And I think the fact that so many companies have their labels in English, uh, I think that's a testament to that. Now, some of it is because uh, English to Koreans is a little bit like what French is to English speakers. So, you know, once upon a time, people used to think if they saw something in French that, oh, that's quite luxe, maybe a little bit bougie, quite classy, a little bit worldly, Uh, you know, so you would see things on a menu or maybe a restaurant would be named in a French way. And that was to denote that it was, you know, a little bit upmarket, maybe a little bit, uh, a little bit special, a little bit different from the usual. Uh, And people think that, you know, French words and French things. They're very cultured. Uh, And it's much the same in Korea when it comes to English. You know, people that speak English are thought to be obviously uh, quite well educated because it's expensive. If you've studied abroad, it must mean you're wealthy. If you've managed to learn English, not only is that quite an achievement, but it probably means that you've spent a lot of money to get to that point. So English things in general are, you know, just that little bit trendier and you'll see restaurants, stores and whatnot trying to incorporate English words, even if sometimes they don't make a lot of sense, just to try and denote that they are maybe a little bit cool or trendy. So some of the times when you see uh, Korean beauty brands incorporating English into their marketing, it can be just because it's a little bit trendy. But oftentimes it will also be because they have this global focus when they are creating manufacturing products, which is to think outside just Korea and where else do they want to sell these products, then English is, you know, the global language of communication in most places. It's going to be helpful for people to know what the product name is in English. Uh, So I think it's much, much more than, you know, just talking about the the 10 step routine that gets such a... um, Uh, a huge, you know, run in media even today. Uh, It's one of the things anytime I speak to like a magazine or an editor, guaranteed nearly always that 10 or 12 or however many steps will get mentioned. That was just very clever marketing. But I think really it's got a lot more to do rather than just the ingredients, uh, rather than the focus on all the different steps of the routine, as clever as that all is, you know, the affordability, which is undeniable. There are a lot of great products at really great price points in Korea. There are an extensive range of products as well. So many different things that you can get into. I think there is more to it than that. Uh, and I think also the other thing that can't be ignored is the influence of Korean culture generally, things like K-pop things like uh, Korean drama. You know, I've mentioned on the the show a few times that there are some really uh, cult products, I guess, that are marketed in dramas. And people will say, oh, I purchased this product because I saw X, Y, or Z actor or actress applying it religiously all the way through the drama. They're all quite intertwined. Obviously, uh, when brands are doing that kind of marketing in their dramas, they're trying to speak to the people what 
watching them. And it's a really effective marketing technique. Uh, even the packaging that got K-Beauty really noticed in the first place, that was just another really clever way of making the product stand out. Uh, and I think that has continued. And one of the reasons that Korean beauty companies are able to offer such great packaging comes back to the fact that they can manufacture a lot of it here in Korea. Whereas when you go and try and do the same thing in other countries, you run into the problem, especially as a small brand, that it's just impossible to do anything bespoke or anything really eye-catching because the minimum order quantities are too high. Whereas Korea being a manufacturing country means that you can have a lot more options at your fingertips to do something really that stands out at the lower end of the minimum order quantities. So I think that's uh, another big thing that just goes back to this is a whole industry that has really developed here uh, with a lot of competition, a lot of options, a lot of support. Uh, all of these things go into making this then a globally competitive industry that stands out on the world stage. And I think that is really what attracts more interest and why K-Beauty has become so much more popular rather than just, you know, because it's a routine or, you know, specific ingredients. I think all of that gives a good uh, platform for brands, maybe spokesmodels and all of that to talk about the products. But I don't think that that is the real reason why K-Beauty has gone global and why it's so popular. So I just wanted to kind of have a chat through that because I was just thinking about that when our, our listener reached out to me and I was like, that's a, such a good point. Uh, and I think it is just, you know, there's a whole lot of different factors. I don't think that there's any one thing in particular. Uh, you know, if another country was trying to copy what Korea has done, I think they would find it really hard to do that because there are so many factors that make this a very unique environment and a very good environment for beauty. Uh, and I think that's why they have found themselves in the position that they are now is because, you know, it's all of these factors combining together. It's it's competitiveness, it's manufacturing, it's support from the government, uh, it's, you know, the sheer amount of options and competition, uh, the fact that, you know, there's such quick turnaround that people are always looking for the new trend, always uh, researching and, you know, trying to find something that's going to make them stand out. That makes the whole industry more competitive. So they're just some of the things that I've been thinking about, I guess, when I thought about this topic. Uh, I probably missed some, but I just just thought I might chat through it with you guys today in case you were interested. I would love to know if you think, uh, you know, there are other reasons. Is there something that, you know, you've thought, oh, this is why Korea really stands out? If you have, come and find me. I'm over on Instagram at lauren.kbeauty. Uh, if you've enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to rate the show and uh, share it with someone that you think would be interested to know as well. Uh, I'm going to finish up here for today, but I will be back in your ears really soon. And until next time, I will see you on Style Story. Style Story.